0: this is african news tonight on the voice of america
1: hello welcome to view Africa. thanks for joining us i'm douglas mboga and here's what's coming up
2: no investment they have tried they have refused
1: any military in our parts. That's Mohammed Kar Kuba, who says he and other local leaders in the Port Sudan area oppose having a Russian base there. Also, Cyclone Freddy pounds Southern Africa, killing at least 100 people in Malawi and heading for Mozambique again. And U.S. Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, is heading to Ethiopia and Asia. All this and more coming up on Africa News Tonight. Weather officials in Mozambique are urging evacuations and bracing for heavy rain after Cyclone Freddy killed at least 10 people there and scores more in neighboring Malawi. Charles Manguiro reports
3: from Maputo, Mozambique. The Deputy Director of Mozambique's National Institute of Meteorology, Musa Mustafa told VOA Tuesday that they are appealing to people in risky areas to evacuate. He says although cyclone Freddy is weakened to a low-pressure system in neighboring Malawi, more rains are expected in Mozambique's north and west in the next two days.
4: Well, um, we are still in the tropical cyclone season because it starts in October and ends in in April. Till now, there is no signal of a formation of another tropical cyclone. But the, the season is still active and we need to continue our, our watching to watch what's happening in the, in the Indian Ocean. The, the other side of it, even close to Australia, because uh, Fred is cyclone formed in near, near Australia and it moved to, towards our, our region.
3: National Public Safety Service spokesman Andre Tazimbua late Monday said the cyclone destroyed hundreds of homes and damaged clinics and roads. Speaking in the press briefing broadcast on Radio Mozambique, he said rescue teams were in Zambesia province to help victims and search for survivors.
4: Uh, a principal he
3: says their main pursuit is to enter houses where there were probably fatal victims from blown off roofs or collapsed ceilings. Tazimba says they also want to open access roads mozambique's health minister armindo tiago also spoke at the monday night briefing he said they are preparing for potential outbreaks of waterborne disease he says what will happen is an increase in the level of flooding and floods as in any rainy season will increase the prevalence of diseases of water origin cyclone freddy has set a record for accumulated energy intensifying seven times since first making landfall in February in Madagascar. The cyclone hit Mozambique a second time on Saturday night and has devastated parts of Malawi, killed close to 100 people and left thousands homeless. Freddie appears to be the longest lasting such storm on record. Meteorologist Mustafa says the record cyclone is more evidence of extreme weather caused by climate change.
4: What is important is we, we need to continue to research, to investigate our country. What is really uh, the impact of the climate change? But these are the evidences that we have now- nowadays. Mozambique,
3: in the past 20 years, has been hit by seven high-intensity tropical cyclones that left a trail of death and destruction. Charles Manguilo of VOA News, Maputo, Mozambique.
1: U.S. Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, is heading to Ethiopia and Niger as the Biden administration accelerates a push to engage with Africa to counter China's growing influence on the continent, according to the State Department. Blinken departed from Joint Base Andrews in Maryland Monday night. Blinken will visit Addis Ababa and Naime starting today to discuss the peace deal that ended hostilities in Ethiopia's northern Tigray region and counterterrorism efforts aimed at Islamic extremists in Asia and the Sahel more broadly. Blinken's trip will be the third high-profile visit to Africa this year by top members of the Biden administration. Vice President Kamala Harris will spend a week in Africa at the end of March with stops in Ghana, Tanzania and Zambia. Sudan has said it will host Russia's first navy base in Africa despite opposition from the west as soon as the country completes a transition from military to civilian rule. But while some, Sudanese, quite while some Sudanese support the business that a base would bring, local tribal leaders oppose a foreign military presence. Henry Wilkins reports from Port Sudan, Sudan.
5: Port Sudan is Sudan's vital link to the Red Sea, a body of water strategically important for global powers and the countries that surround it, not least for its access to the Suez Canal. Port Sudan made headlines in February after Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov visited Sudan. During the visit, the Sudanese junta, which took power in a military coup in 2021, promised Russia a new naval base in the city. But local tribal leaders who carry a big influence on the Red Sea coast have other ideas. Mohammed Kara Khabar says he and other local leaders are against the Russian base.
2: They refuse because they want uh, just to put their hand uh, and uh, stop our uh, port. I think. No investment. They have tribe, they have refused any uh, military in our uh, part.
5: In February, Middle East Eye, a news website based in London, reported that Mohammed Hamdan Dagalo, a powerful Sudanese militia leader, attempted to open military bases along the Red Sea coast, but was prevented by local tribal leaders after they demanded money for development. A small Russian logistics base is reported to have been set up in Port Sudan in the past, but according to local media and residents, it ceased operation in 2021. In the vicinity of the old base, in the Flamingo district of the city, one local declined to give his name when VOA asked if he supported the Russian naval base. He says if a Russian naval base is in Sudanese interests, he wouldn't have a problem with it. I don't care who is involved, whether they are British, Russian or Americans, he added. One analyst said there has been talk of a full-fledged Russian naval base in Port Sudan for years, yet it has never materialised. Cameron Hudson is with the Center for Strategic and International Studies, a Washington-based think tank.
6: The case of the missing naval base has been around for uh, many years. Uh, this base has been promised to have been built, uh, I don't know how many times now, five or six times.
5: Another analyst thinks the base could go ahead if Sudan's ruling hunter is determined to make it happen. Hala Al-Karib is with the Strategic Initiative for Women in the Horn of Africa.
7: I don't know. I think it very much depends uh, on the, um, the naval base. It it's very much depends on the direction that the political process is going to take. You know, so uh, if the regime is actually um, moving towards consolidating a 100% military power in Sudan.
5: Sudan already has well-established links with Russia and the Russian paramilitary group Wagner. Sudan's hunter is reported to be trading the country's gold in exchange for Russian weapons. Henry Wilkins for VOA News, Port Sudan, Sudan.
1: The Volcanological Observatory of Goma in the Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo says a glow that was observed at the top of a volcano poses no risk to the city. A glow was observed at the top of the Nyamulagira volcano, but unlike Nirangongo, which directly threatens Goma if it erupts, previous eruptions of Nyamulagira have been directed into Virunga Park or towards nearby roads. The observatory recommends that Goma's more than one million residents remain calm and go about their business freely. For more on this, I reach reporter Jaffa Alcatante.
0: Yesterday, Goma Observatory, of volcano, communicate that uh, Nyamulagira Mount is in internal eruption. And people in the north of the city uh, could see the red color on the sky. And many people were afraid and thinking about Nyeragongo, but it was a chance that it's not Niragongo because Nyamulagira is not a danger to the city of Goma as uh, the lava of Nyamuragira always go in the direction of the Virunga National Park. And that eruption was not a outside eruption, an external, but it was an internal eruption.
1: So how are people there given that that area is known for volcanic eruptions? Are people concerned?
0: Uh, yes, people are afraid, you know. If it was Nyiragongo, as Niragongo is just in front of the city of Goma, and the lava direction of Niragongo is the city of Goma, everybody was waiting for uh, a speech from OVG, the the observatory. And when the observatory said it's not Niragongo, it was like something uh, a good news for all locals in the city of Goma because uh, people still remember uh, the damage did by the last eruption of Nyiragongo. So for
1: now, at least uh, Goma is safe. That's what you're saying?
0: Yes. For now, Goma is safe. According to what scientists uh, of OVG say, Goma is safe. And this situation was under control. They knew about this escalation of the lack of lava inside Nyamuragira. But as Nyamulagira is not a danger to the city of Goma, that's why OVG didn't do a communicate before to do not panic locals. And, you know, Nyamulagira for now is in a zone under rebel control. So if uh, Nyamulagira is in eruption, uh, no one can go there as journalists. And I don't know even if scientists will be welcomed by M23 to, to visit the volcano.
1: That was reporter Jaffa Alcatante. He spoke with me earlier from Goma. You're listening to Africa News Tonight. I'm Douglas Impoga in, in Washington. For more information on these and other stories from the continent, please see voaafrica.com. There you'll find all your favorite VOA radio and TV programs and a whole lot more. For world news, check out voanews.com. At least five people were killed and 11 others wounded, including a regional governor in a suicide attack in southern Somalia. The French New Jersey AFP says a vehicle loaded with explosives crashed into a guest house hosting government officials in Badera, 450 kilometers west of the capital Mogadishu. A police commander told AFP that the explosion destroyed most of the building, killing five security guards. No one has claimed responsibility for the attack, though authorities suspect Al-Shabaab, which has been waging war on the central government for 15 years. (laughs) A South African company is positioning itself to be at the forefront of helping motorists across the continent to eventually move from fuel-driven to electric-powered vehicles. Electric says this makes sense as petrol prices keep rising and the world turns more towards clean energy to protect the environment. Darren Taylor reports.
8: Ask Ndia Magadagela why she left the career as an accountant three years ago to open an electric car company, and she'll simply say, The future.
7: I think the fact that I'm also a woman player in the industry says something about it, but for us, it's really just about doing the speed work and also allowing other people to also get onto the wagon.
8: She says, Pretoria based Ever Electric. Is currently fulfilling a very niche market as she describes it in southern africa
7: we play in the business to business market where we provide our vehicles to players in the logistics industry and a lot of these global logistics players have made commitments to reduce their carbon emissions by a different interval 2030 2035 and so when we heard that we thought about bringing a solution that could help them reach those goals
8: So Magadagela got financing to import material to build solar-powered charging stations at 35 strategic locations across South Africa. Transport companies, courier firms and supermarket chains now use ev-electric trucks and vans to take goods to destinations in Southern Africa, cutting carbon emissions and saving big on fuel costs. Magadagela's dream is to help minibus taxi sectors in Africa convert to electric vehicles. She adds that international demand for petrol-driven vehicles is already dropping. So, if Africa wants to continue exporting cars, it's going to have to make sure they're electric. Magadagela points out that South Africa, in particular, manufactures a lot of new vehicles.
7: of our GDP is is due to the export of vehicles that we manufacture in South Africa. We export about, I think, 70% of our production in South Africa. But the markets that we are exporting to have already said that by 2035, they will not be taking internal combustion engines, which are the normal vehicles that you and I are driving today. It's going to get to a point where it's not an option to go electric. We will have to go electric at some point.
8: She says African authorities don't seem to have grasped this yet. For Magadagela, the biggest challenges preventing expansion of electric vehicles and related infrastructure in Africa right now are costs and restrictive rules and regulations.
7: In South Africa, electric vehicles are levied up to 40% of import taxes. They are seen as luxury goods. so. That actually makes it very difficult to have an electric vehicle at a price point that most South Africans can afford. Those punitive import taxes, those are some of the things that are challenges to our business, but definitely also the skills that we need in this industry. We need to be thinking about the education system and how we sort of train the skills that relate to this industry.
8: She says she's met a few people around the world who've joked with her that electric vehicles can't operate in Africa because there's little to no electricity on the continent. Magadha Gela agrees that Africa's going to have to address its power gap fast if it doesn't want to lag even further behind. She wants African governments to formulate policies as soon as possible to make it easier and more affordable for Africans to import electric vehicles. As demand grows, she says, so motor manufacturers in Africa will begin making electric cars. Prices will come down and fuel-driven vehicles will fade into history. For VOA News, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg.
1: The U.S. is extending more than $100 million to Kenya to help increase access to safe drinking water, sanitation and hygiene services for millions of people. From the Kenyan capital Nairobi, Ruben Sharma reports for VOA. Through a new program known as
2: the Global Water Strategy High Priority Country Plan for Kenya, clean water and sanitation facilities in the country will be enhanced over the next five years. Meg Whitman is the U.S. Ambassador to
6: Kenya. Kenya is experiencing the worst drought on record with no sign of significant rains coming anytime soon. As I have traveled around Kenya, I asked government officials and community members, what are your priorities? And the number one priority, almost universally, is water. The linkages between water and a changing climate are crystal clear, perhaps more clear than they have been ever before.
2: Like its neighbors in the Horn of Africa, Kenya is experiencing extreme drought conditions, causing tremendous suffering for millions. The United Nations says... 3.5 million people in Kenya are projected to be food and water insecure. Whitman says the U.S. government's investments will help increase access to basic or improved water services for 1.6 million people and provide basic or improved sanitation for 1 million people. The U.S. Agency for International Development is mobilizing about $130 million for the effort.
6: As we've observed here in Kenya, in the Horn of Africa, and in countries spanning almost every continent, water scarcity also often serves as a cause or accelerator of conflict. Access to water can serve as a weapon of war, as we've seen in the Ukraine, where water infrastructure has been destroyed, leaving innocent civilians without essential services.
2: The UN Children's Agency, UNICEF, says clean water better sanitation and hygiene systems could prevent the deaths of nearly 300,000 children under age 5 each year globally. Alice Wahome is Kenya's Cabinet Secretary for Water, Sanitation and
7: Irrigation. The demand for water is expected to grow exponentially in our country over the next 15 years. Even if we invest heavily in bulk water infrastructure, it will be very difficult for supply to keep pace with the demand. Therefore, we need innovative approaches for supply and demand management options.
2: Some experts say recurrent drought makes access to water and sanitation services a constant problem, especially for communities in the country's arid and semi-arid areas. Another challenge is the growing number of informal settlements in major towns and cities. Susan Kokimotua is a public health officer at the Department of Public Health.
7: About 6 million Kenyans have no access to any form of sanitation facilities and practice total open defecation. About 24 million use unimproved sanitation facilities or share latrines. Malnutrition and stunted growth is on the rise in many counties and is mainly attributed to poor sanitation and hygiene as one of the underlying risk factors. Every year, many counties are reporting cholera outbreaks, as we are going through right now in about 16 counties.
2: UNICEF says 844 million people worldwide lack safe drinking water, and 2.3 billion do not have access to latrines or other basic sanitation facilities. Ruben Chama, VOA News nairobi
1: uganda city oilers have qualified finally qualified to play at the 2023 basketball africa league games after two failed attempts in 2020 and 2022 the team's decisive win over burundi's bbc in the third place playoff game of the road to Baal will sit debut among the continent's big boys for the third edition of the Baal championships reporter john sentamu has more
9: The City Oilers Basketball Club has been playing at the Grand Strader since its establishment 12 years ago, competing at such championship games as FIBA and the National Basketball League, where it's locked in eight consecutive National Basketball League championships since 2014. However, where it comes to big competition, none on the African continent beats the Basketball Africa League Ball Championship, where the team will make its debut next month. City Oilers are veteran players uh, like team captain James O'Kello acknowledge that playing at the ball is a dream come true. It's, it's
1: been a long wait for us. The first time around, you know, we fell short um, in 2019. It was very heartbreaking uh, and it took us a, a much longer time because of COVID uh, to be able to get back to this point, you know. And now to even just think about the games coming up and, you know, we're part of the best 12 teams in Africa, it's a, a very unbelievable feeling.
9: The team attributes its high-level play that helped it secure a BAL regular season slot last November in South Africa to adding new players like fired Bari, Kaita Luwal, and Jermaine Roybrook Jr. to the established stars like Jimmy Enabu and Ben Komakech. A total of 12 African teams will compete in the 2023 BAL regular season. The qualified teams are split into two groups of six with the top four from the Sahara Conference starting in March and the Nile Conference starting in April, qualifying for the quarterfinals in May in Rwanda for the championship. Uganda's City Oilers is in the Nile Conference to be held in Egypt next month. City Oilers coach Mande Juroni is unfazed by the team's competitors. We want
7: to uh, continue uh, building chemistry in the team that we, that we had, Um, Obviously uh, there are some uh, weaknesses that we saw uh, in South Africa that we need to uh, correct and uh, because of that uh, we we might add in um, one or two players uh, to reinforce the team. We have the experience so we're up for it, we know what's uh, ahead of us, Uh, we know um, what we need to do uh, for us to be able to compete.
9: As the team prepares for its ball debut next month, in Uganda, fans are expectant of a victory from their favourite team. Reporting for VOA, this is John Sentamu from Kampala, Uganda.
1: The basketball, Af- the basketball Africa League resumes action today with the two games in Dakar, Senegal. Kuara Falcons of Nigeria just tipped off against Ted Mariano, Mali. That will be followed by a game between Abijah Basketball Club and Rwanda's Energy Group. Both the Rwanda Energy Group and Abijah won their first games over the weekend in the Sahara Conference. You can follow all the ball action on voafrica.com. And that wraps up this edition